Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! This is Filthy Shambles. I'm Spooky. I'm joined by Dan. Uh, good to have you back on, mate. Yeah, cheers, mate. How you doing? You all right? Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, bloody hell. What a game last night. Just absolutely mental. Uh, I mean, where do, where do we even start with, with, with Tottenham sometimes? Like, were you, Spurs... were you was there? Was you, was you there or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went to the game. Um, and one of the things that you come away thinking about is... In fact, the guy behind me kind of grabbed me after the game and he said, do we know how to just win games in, in, like a, in just like a, a standard fashion? And I said to him, mate, if you haven't got your heart in your mouth, then you're not Tottenham. Like, even if you're really, really good, if you're playing really, really well, even if we're smashing a team and we're like two new up, three new up, there's always that little concern in the back of your head. It's that cliched voice saying, hold up, hold up. It's not over until it's over. You never know. And with last night's game, it was just, it it was, again, something that we, we kind of cooked in our own kitchen. You know, we made mistakes mm. we were going to talk about. You know, there was, you know, very early on, on in the first half, you kind of thought we're a bit sloppy. There's a few players that are not quite on it. What is going on? Is this going to play into Brentford's hands? Like, where are you at the moment um, in terms of, before we get to the game, just quickly, mm. uh, where are you at with like this season and this evolution because a lot of people would let every game and result kind of guide them towards whether they think this season is a success or failure but yeah. do you buy into that considering it's meant to be a transitional season but Spurs have been so good under Postacoglu in terms of how we've gelled and the players uh, that have, have performed um, above and beyond what they were producing last season it kind of changes your um it kind of changes the way that you think and perceive the football, right? Because now people are saying yeah. we've got to get Champions League because you know we're up up amongst it, and yeah. you know we've got the players. So, where, where do you, are you still chill, or are you, are you kind of like biting your nails? No, I'm still pretty chill because I think I, I still think that we're um, achieving more than what we probably thought we would this season, or what I thought we would achieve this season. I think that it's taken us all by. I think most of us would say it's taken us by surprise at how quickly we've adapted to what the manager wants us to do and what sort of output we've been able to get from the players. Like we've seen some really quality football this season from from us, and it's like that in itself has just been you know a massive box ticked con- considering what we've basically we, we we say it every time, don't we? Like just we always refer to what we've endured for the the two or three years before that. Um, so I think ultimately we kind of like. Was able, we've we've done a really important thing in getting back to the way we want to be playing, and then in terms of where we're at now, um, I think that because we're at the cup as well now, I think that it is important to, you know, still make sure that we are measured in our sort of criticism of the team and stuff. Which don't get me wrong, like when you're sort of in the game and you're criticising things, that's never going to be the most objective or, you know, it's never going to be the most objective kind of conversation, is it? Like when you're discussing things in game, but. I think now, like looking back on last night and looking back on the, some of the games that we've been playing recently, um, I think we've had a really good season so far, and I still think that we're on track to um, 
you know, have a decent finish. I think I just think that with you know just Premier League to focus on now, we should yeah. we really should be trying to make sure we solidify that top four because I think that it's it's kind of in our hands to do so. Really, yeah, agreed. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with as a football supporter if you're feeling a little bit pressured in the right way, it means that we're doing something right. You know, yeah. And, I, and watching the game against Brentford, there was this there was this really surreal moment where my brain obviously just kind of shut down and rebooted. You know, when you went back in the day, it might still happen to be fair if you use Windows, but you, 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 your, P, you your PC or laptop would reboot and it'd come back to the desktop. But all all the icons would be scrambled and you'd be like, "What? why has it reset itself in this kind of like manic way? Like, I don't know where everything is. <laughs> and I felt like that because I thought, do I want this? Do I want this every week? Do I wanna do I wanna feel not the football performance itself or kind of kind of games with a bit of needle and a bit of edge to them? I'm talking generally, do I want to feel like every game matters above and beyond just a normal Premier League game where maybe you're just stuck in mid table, just above mid table. And I was like, Yeah, I do. Of course I do. That's it means you're doing something right. And as much as you can't as a fan base, perhaps we're not built to handle that in 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 the right way, if there is a right way, because we don't experience that every single season. That's also a good thing, because if we did, we'd be fucking bored of it, and we'd we'd find new ways to get upset about shit. So yeah, we're in a I, I was going to say like, I was going to say like, that's just what makes it has been another really good part of it is that the it's just so much more engaging because we we do seem more vulnerable as a team at the same time, right? And because yeah. we're always going to open, you know, leave the door open for teams to a certain extent, it just makes for f- much more entertaining games of football. Um, yeah. so, so, I mean, whilst we're whilst it's heart and mouth stuff for us, obviously, like the neutrals would love it. There's a reason that we get a lot of our. I think there's always a reason that we get a lot of our games moved from like those three o'clock Saturday kickoffs to the TV slots because just people want to want to watch us and like the Sky and whoever else it is want us obviously on the box, right? So. We're, exactly. We're, you know, we're we're doing something really right in, in, box in that office. sense. We've always been yeah. box office, and and whether it's because we produce more memes per game uh, than any other football club, or whether it's because <laughs> Mate, because we... last night Twitter was fucking glorious after that game. I don't oh, really yeah, go on yeah. Twitter a lot, but I was, was I, I couldn't I couldn't help but not because I started seeing stuff flowing into the WhatsApp channels. And I thought, right, let me get on myself and just have a look. And it was just every tweet that I looked at was just, it was all original stuff about the same thing. And it was just all mm. brilliant. It's, 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 it's the only time Twitter bangs properly the way that it should. And, and the only reason why most of us are still using it, to be fair, because there are, there are moments where you think, okay, this is, this is, this is content. Especially when you're winning because it just kind of shines a light on everything mm. in a very in a very different way. Let's talk about those vulnerabilities, right? Because like first, well, first half basically. First half was was <laughs> first half was like what the fuck is going on? Because so much talk was was around ah oh, Madison's back and Benton Cause had a few games, you know, since since returning from his second major injury. And the midfield mm. is taking shape. Yeah, we've got Son missing and we've got Saar missing and Basuma, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, are big losses, to be fair. Um, but the expectation level uh, pre-game, I was talking to T in, in, in the Beehive before the game and we were, we were just both agreeing, not, not 
arrogantly at all. We were just thinking we got, we're left too much for Brentford. You know, we're going to be back on it. There's going to be a good tempo. It's under the lights. Um, it didn't work out that way, Dan. What, I mean, what, what what happened? What was? Where do you think? I know with hindsight, it's easy now to maybe talk about the the first half. But if yeah. you want to be really critical, where where was your head at? Well, I just think that I always think that we start games really well, even in our poorest performance this season, which is still probably Wolves that we've referred to a few times, although I certainly have. Like, we started that game like a bat out of hell. Like, we start so fast, we scored a goal in that game, and obviously we didn't score against Brentford last night, but I just thought we always start quickly and we get right on the edge of their box, like early doors, you know, mm. and we've, we seem to have them under pressure. But it's almost like you can't see through, you can't see the wood for the trees when we're in that situation because it's like it takes one attack from them to make us look extremely vulnerable and every time they got the ball like tactically I thought they were really good in the first half outside of like you know the shithousery and sh- that, those shenanigans I thought that the way they set up was well, it ended up looking like it was spot on right because every time they went forward there was so much space and if it weren't for people like Van der Ven's pace like we probably would have conceded more than one it's the counters, um, right? They were they were defending yeah. deep, congesting the, the their penalty box. But on the counter, they they looked like they could score. Not every time, but you, you were worried that they would. Uh, I thought the doggy. I thought the doggy had a stinker, like both going forward, and I, I thought he was having no effect going forward whatsoever. And um, he, he, when he when he gave that pass away, like to, that led to the goal, I just instantly my mind went back to the West Ham game. Because it was him who gave away that one of those goals yeah. as well, where he just done a loose pass back, and he done two of them last night. So it's like he's he's got to up his concentration levels. I can sort of understand the second one that 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 Tony ended up scoring, and and and, and I'm I'm being really like generous when I'm saying he's on I the floor, right, it. Tony? He's injured on the floor, right? He's basically he he's basically in the same part of the pitch that Vicario's in. You know, like he's literally standing in the same place, and you know, like when. I just thought I almost wondered if it was one of those moments where his brain hasn't computed what he's seen. He must just think it's so safe to pass that ball back, and probably has even seen Tony out the corner it's of his muscle eye, memory. but hasn't, but hasn't registered the fact that he can't be offside. He's in an offside position, the most offside position you could possibly be in, but probably hasn't registered the fact that he can't be when you pass it backwards. You yeah. know, like I mean, it was just one of yeah, those yeah. where because he knew as soon as he passed it, he sort of fell over and was just late. I think he just sat on the floor and watched Tony score the goal and probably thought, for fuck's sake, what have I done there? But that one was, but but the first one was the worst was worse for me because it was really lazy and it was really casual and they obviously obviously Tony nearly nearly fucked it up because because Vicario saved it. Um, but Mopay obviously was 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 following in, and I just thought he needs to cut that out of his game. And obviously, we'll talk about the second half in a bit, and you had a much better second half. But I thought he was, you know, just particularly poor, and I was getting angry. I just about I thought it was the most angry I've been as a Spurs supporter this season that first half because I thought we were just so stupid in how we were playing. So, so what? what where, where do you think? Oh, I don't want to say accountability or responsibility because Ange will, will take it on his shoulders like he always yeah, does. Yeah, of course, but... yeah. If you look at that first half, like purely from a like a, a basic uh, kind of tactical uh, um, level, um, there was no width. We weren't really trying to get behind them. There was very through the middle. Again, it was like I said. I mean, like I said, everyone could see how um, congested it was because they were defending. Um, can't blame Brentford for for doing that. They were giving us no options, and there was a kind of lack of creative guile because we were trying to be too um, 
we tried to take too many touches to try and penetrate their penalty box, and it was it we weren't stretching them in any way. And there was again a distinct lack of of shots, probably for the same reason. It's frustrating when you're watching the game on TV or you're at the game because you think shoot, shoot, and like the angles are impossible to get a shot in. But sometimes you think. Well, you've got two seconds. You probably could get a shot. It could take a deflection. You ain't getting past that players and the defense anyway because you're not doing anything more. There's no, there's no, there's no extra dimension to the play. Do, what do you think that's about in that moment? Do you think sometimes players, because in the past we've had managers that have blamed blamed the players for the way that we've played, and you've often heard players after the game say, "Yeah, we uh, we know we were meant to do A." but we were doing B for long periods. And I'm thinking, how can you collectively all all just kind of be sloppy or, or lack imagination? What, think, do you, what, what do you think it was about in that first half? Do you think it was just I just I just think off? they were trying to execute a plan and it just wasn't sort of going to come off because of how Brentford set up. I think the, the fact that we made changes at half-time said it all, that we basically couldn't keep doing what we needed to do and we realised that whether we was losing or drawing, we needed to change, make a change because we yeah. were not going to create opportunities in that way, basically. Well, it's 1-0. I mean, we can, we can briefly talk about, the, you know, the birth of the the shithousery um, with the celebration, the dark celebra- celebration. Why does everyone want to go for Mads? Why, why is everyone basically looking to, uh, to to kind of make it about a completely different player on the opposition? It's like Madison hasn't gone out and offended every other footballer in, in, in the Premier League. Um, I mean, is it a dig more at Tottenham? Is it just... It, it, what is the dart celebration all about? Saka done it. Saka done it twice in the North London derby. I mean, mate. Yeah. like, Come on. Like, you don't need to do it twice. I mean, that's a bit desperate. I, and I, I know... Do think, <coughs> I do I think it's embarrassing that other teams try and do it, like, so much. Because I just think... I think um, someone said it on the fighting cock. It's like the Jordan meme, that they take it personally. I just don't understand why you would find a way to piss off really good players... Like all the best sports people in the world, if you find a way to annoy them, like there's so many documentaries and examples that you've watched where you just think someone rolls them up and then they just end up, you know, turning it on and you, you, the, the, the other the opposition then can't cope. Like, why would you do it? Like, it's just <laughs> such a stupid thing to do. I mean, it is. It is daft on our home patch as well, um, with the home crowd um, completely on it. Um they were so, embarrassing, though. He was a proper little rat embarrassment, that Mope. Like, every, every sort of chance... It's just it's just a smug smile he's doing whenever he does everything. It just, just pisses you off even more. I mean, I was watching it on the telly, so I could see this shit up close. Do you know what I mean? And, like, he, he, even when there was a bit where he was holding onto the ball and then he delayed a throw-in, then he carried it with him, and then Decky went to get it off him, and then he threw it back. You know, just everything they did took fucking forever. And well, I think our players properly just got they got sucked in, obviously, didn't they? But yeah, they got sucked in a little bit. And I think Postacoglu after the game, I don't think he was a fan of that. And, he, and probably, I guess, privately, he'd tell the players, "Look, you can't allow yourselves to get emotionally. Um, uh, um, you can't. You, you can't get into emotional battles on, on the pitch in terms of. I mean, we saw what happened." against Chelsea where we couldn't control our aggression in the right way. We didn't contain our aggression and we kind of lost it on an emotional level. I'm not saying we were going to lose it to Brentford on an emotional level, but you, you get in players get under your skin a little bit. And then 
obviously, as long as you can back it up, it doesn't matter at that point because it's them that look like mugs. That's exactly you, what happened. Was you surprised at the fact that of all the players that we've got on the pitch, you'd think, right, Romero's going to probably lose his head here in a minute. I thought he was the coolest man on the whole night. Like, throughout the whole game, I thought he kept his head really well. And I thought he, he had the armband last night, and I thought he put in a... We'll come on to him later, but I thought he put in a proper captain's performance. Yeah. Richarlison didn't, get, seemed to, didn't seem to rise to any of it either. I just thought Bentoncourt completely... I thought his head had gone at one point, I'll be honest with you. Like, I just don't think he could keep his head in the game. I don't think he was playing really well anyway. He looked... He wasn't. He, looked, he wasn't. He looked, I thought he looked really, like, just not fit, basically. I just didn't think he looked at it last night. And it's not surprising. I don't know how much the... Because I thought he looked really good when he came back from the knee injury. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think some of the stuff that we started to see him do after the knee injury, I thought he looked really good. And even that first half against Villa... I thought he looked. He was looking brilliant. He was the best. To player be on the fair, pitch. right when we would, when, when all of us were chatting about Benton Cole back in the summer, and we were saying, "No, he's back in November," and you know, I think we all agreed at the time it would take him four or five months, if not longer, to really find his rhythm again. Hundred percent. I just think I'm, I'm purely just observing the fact that it almost seemed like he was in a good vein and was going to sort of like. Crack on, almost get her. back to it. Yeah, he's yeah. Gonna, he was going to crack on, but then because he got another bad injury, really like straight away, it almost seems like that one seems to have halted him more than the knee injury, like in terms yeah. of the recovery from yeah. it. I don't know. We'll have to sort of like see what happens moving forwards. But I'm fine. Um, I'm okay. He weren't, be- he weren't at his best, but but we've got op- we've got options to change and rotate Definitely. it, and we've got people exactly. coming back, which that's going to help him a lot. I think is the fact that you've got people like Saar, who's going to be available for the weekend, and Basuma still will come back. So, half time kicks in, and you're thinking, "Thank fuck, need a drink." And then, <laughs> like you, you also know that they're going to get a bollocking. I mean, that's you know, again, thinking about it when I when I came back to my seat, I, I, I thought there's going to be a reaction to this, but I did not expect what what played out in that second half. No. Um, it was absolutely fucking immense, and it's just you know, sometimes in football, you you just you you you're surprised that you're surprised, and and that was me last night because with Spurs, you always need to expect the unexpected, right? But expecting the unexpected means you are expecting something to happen. So so you know to to kind of tongue twist myself here, <laughs> you don't really know what to expect from Tottenham. It's pure chaos in 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 most occasions, it is, and it's sometimes it's controlled chaos, and sometimes it's just the what the fuck is going on? And recently, to be fair, especially under Postacoglu, um, you kind of know that you're going to get a performance from the players. It's very rare that we underperform or that we're calamitous across 90 minutes. And the last four years have, have been void of anything other than bland, you know, boring football and, and, and now and again pockets of counter-aggression and, and the rest of it. But Tottenham's history generally is... You just don't know what's going to happen, like with Spurs. You, you, you the moment you think you're, you're down, you're back up again. And it, this was that moment in in terms of really appreciating the influence of uh, the manager, whatever he said, the changes he made. Because a lot of people were like, "What? Oh, he's hooked off Oli Skip. Oli Skip actually was one of the better performers in the in the first mm. half." Yeah, Benton yeah I thought, Core. thought it was unlucky for him. Yeah, yeah, but the other, the, the other, uh, bringing bringing on the Viking, um, who, who obviously wants to stay at Tottenham because he he he, think, he believes we're onto something this season. 
So I can't mm. fault his ambition there. Um, you think he, how is that going to change things? Like what what what's happened? What's he said to them? But the way the way that we I don't know how I mean in, within the stadium he just was punchy as fuck. Um, I, how did you take it? Because it was like. It, it, it was delivered with so much p- more pace than the first half because we didn't talk about Timo and in the first half. See, it's it's funny because when you're at the game, you're looking all over the pitch, mm. and I could see him trying to make runs and I could see him making runs. I couldn't quite w- work out whether his deliveries were really poor or defended really well because it's just I wasn't looking at the big screen. I was looking at the back end of the, the pitch from where I am yeah. in the south stand, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, when I checked my phone at, uh, um, at halftime, all the boys in, in the fighting cock group were like, Timo, shit, send him back. Like, get rid. The, yeah. Obviously, um, exactly. That was the same it was the same energy in my chats that I was in as well. It, it was, was an exaggeration. It was, not a good, it was not a good half. <laughs> yeah, it was an exaggeration. And I and I kind of playfully played the, the, the white knight as I do. And I said, guys, what game are you watching? Like, I thought, I thought again, he's he's not being used in the right way. We're not playing, you know, the, we're not finding these players quickly. We're doing everything too. We're taking too many touches and we're, we're choosing the wrong option. The second half kind of proved how you need to play. Um, you can't play like that for 90 minutes, obviously. It's very dependent um, on what the opposition doing, are doing. And I thought we kind of pulled Brentford's pants down. They did not know what yeah. to do. For about 10 minutes, they were fucking rattled. Absolutely rattled. Yeah, I mean, the Ver- the Werner one was interesting because I think people saying that he was shit in the first half and then people praising him in the second half. In this instance, I think both are right. He was really mm. poor. I was watching That's it fair. on the... Um, because I was, I was watching on the telly so you can just see slightly different angles of what they're doing. I mean, he put a header wide, which was an absolute joke of an attempt at a header. Like, it just is. It just wasn't... It was just ridiculously bad, right? Mm. And then you've got... I think there was three left-footed crosses that he that he attempted, where one went behind the goal, and then two were just weak and along the floor and easily cut out. So I don't think you could say they were just good, well defended. I just didn't understand what he was attempting. But then it was like a switch. It's like he'd got he'd come out a completely different person because as soon as he then had a bit, little bit more space because he'd managed to get in behind and because someone found him again, he put in. The ball we put in for Johnson was again with his left foot, but that was a perfect cross because it was one of those shot cross. I think Johnson said himself he knew he was going to be aiming for one of those sort of shot cross type balls yeah. balls in yeah. that as long as he gets on the end of, he knows he's going to be able to put it away. And yeah, he, he and again, I thought he was good. His assist for Rudoggy, if he gets the assist, because obviously it sort of deflected back to him afterwards. But yeah, that was I thought similar to the assist he delivered for Bentoncourt at Old Trafford where he's managed to just sort of cut in. He's not really done anything spectacular, but he's just sort of spotted the run of the player coming in and laid it on a plate for him. And it was just intelligent play, and I thought we had a really good second half in the end. Yeah, no, he, again, he's a couple of assists, you know, um, just play to your strengths, Tottenham. And, and, and obviously it's easy enough, you know, watching a game and saying that. There's, there's obviously a lot of variables and a lot of things that are on going on the pitch. And the first half, we were not ourselves, and too many players kind of let themselves uh, down just in terms of uh, application and just that, that kind of connectivity. But um, like how, how do you think Madison's doing? Like, um, obviously, he started the game. He's, mm. he's not 100%. We know we know he's not 100%. Uh, but, we, you know, he's 
he's so influential. And, and it's one of these things with Spurs that you've got to think in the summer, we we need we need something. We need something in the middle to hit to well, not in the middle strictly, but we need a Madison type player, another creative output. Um Yeah. To to just to support him. I know we spoke about this before, you know, Mads does pick up injuries every season. Um mm. you know, done it at Leicester. Uh, we need to protect the team. We I didn't realise that. The... I, I didn't realise this was his longest um, layoff, though, as a player. I didn't know that that was the case. That the one he's just had with us was his longest yet. So you'd like to <laughs> Are hope you that... surprised? It's not the monster, mate. Well, obviously, I shouldn't be surprised, but um, at least you'd like to think that moving forwards, if he has any other knocks, they're you know they're shorter stints out, right? Because the amount of time that we didn't have him or Van de... and Van de Ven basically in the side was it felt like forever, didn't it? Um, He's so good though. Like I thought he was he couldn't have been more than sixty or seventy percent fit last night. I mean the first yeah. half I thought he was the only one who looked like he would I think well I thought Richarlison was the only one who looked like he was gonna make something stick in the front line at least. Um and I thought Madders was trying I think he tried to was trying to basically take it by the you know, I think he was trying to get control of it of things himself, but just he just couldn't find the space. Um and he would sort of do one of those things where you get past one or two, but then there's just three too many, right? Yeah. Um, and he would just get cut out. But the second half, because I don't know if Brentford were almost naive in how they played, because I felt like they were... It's like there was more space in behind them than there was in the first half. I couldn't understand why they'd come out further. Do you know what I mean? Like you just think, why have they why would Overconfidence, they maybe? To... Yeah, I do think it could have been a little bit of that, because they just got exposed... Like what was it? I think it was three goals in twelve minutes. So it was just like they just they just lost control, didn't they, of what they were trying yeah. to do? Yeah. Um, but because that space opened up, it allowed people like Madison to just start picking out proper decent passes and that. And I think one thing, and he's another one who's just so good at winning free kicks in crucial areas to set up set pieces for us. Now the key there is just not to be wasteful with your set pieces when you get them right. Because mm. too many times, I think we see that we. I think last night I was frustrated because we got a free kick in a dangerous position, but then we played it short, and it ended up being a just a useless bit of play, and we went all the way back to Vicario. Whereas I think that ball's got to be just sent in to their box by Madison, and it's got to meet. It's got to hit someone in the head. Um, but I think as well with him is that you know he's it's not he's not just he doesn't just look for free kicks and wants to win them all the time. Like he's so capable of beating people and then be able to set something up. And I think that that's where, like, I think someone like Grealish gets too much praise for the amount of free kicks he wins. It's yeah. like he could easy, he's, he's such a strong, big player, Grealish. He could easily he could beat people off. Yeah. Yeah, and stand right. off and like and take and carry the ball forward. I think he's just, I think he just takes the easy option every time and it's why he won't be a top player. You know, like, for me, anyway, I don't think that's why, I think that's why he won't be considered, like, a top, top player consistently as someone that you every team would want. Because I think he sort of fits into a system and he can do a bit of a job, but like I don't know, like he's, I don't think he's anywhere near the player that he was at Villa since he's gone to City. I, I think but... certain type um, player like players like De Bruyne, obviously, you know they they they're so far above so many other players. Like you know they're at that world class level. Great, great. Even you know you can talk about. De Bruyne being an all-time great in the Premier League, definitely. I thought Madders um, showed last night that he's one of those sort of level of players, though. I think oh, he is so good. I don't, I, no, but like, who else is there really? But you're talking De Bruyne as the level up from him. Like, who else is yeah. there that's really at the level that Madison? There's is? a massive gap. To, to be fair, I, I, can't, I, I see what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing. 
Madison, I think he's in the right place to amplify the abilities that he has. Not he's, that... he's basically unlucky that if, if, if Jude Bellingham didn't exist, Madison would be playing for England. He'd be starting behind just off Harry Kane or something, yeah. wouldn't he? Yeah. But because Jude Bellingham is basically the modern, he's the English sedan, he's got no chance, right? Yeah. So that's just, but that's just fair enough. But I do think he's a really good player and I do, I, I think he's just, I still think he's got to be the deal of the summer, like for any team. Oh, 40 million for James Madison is absolutely ridiculous. Unbelievable. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, spend money, Tottenham. We do spend money. We just don't ever spend money on the right players up until the last few seasons. Uh, where uh, Paratici and, and Tottenham's internal changes have just led to us being a lot more astute with player acquisitions and buying players that not only have the ability but also um, profile-wise and, and 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 I guess mentally, physically, uh, exactly what we need to fit into the 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 culture that the club are building and the football that we're playing. So to pick him up for the amount of money that we picked him up for, considering the, the amount of money that we've spent on other players in recent years, um, was a very, very good bit of business. And a lot of people did scratch their chins. Not going to lie, you know, you have, as, as, a, as, a, um, as a football supporter, you have your opinions that are based on match of the day highlights and other bits and pieces, right? And, and, and you might dislike a player, for, for, for whatever reason. Maybe you dislike him because you know he's good and he's not playing for your team. I think it was a bit of that with Madison. I didn't want to admit he was as good as he was perceived by the Leicester supporters. Now I kind of get it a, a little bit more. And that kind of I mean, arrogance, look, it just exists with, with all of us. You can't know, unless you're James Alcott, you can't know every single <laughs> like pl- uh, form guide for every single player in football. Yeah. It's not... It's just not. It's just not doable. You know, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you don't know who this guy is or how good he is. But fuck me. I mean, we've said it many, many times. It's been, it's been said on most podcasts. He is such a Spurs player. He's such a Tottenham player. Yeah. He's such a classical Tottenham player, and he he fits like a glove. Um, yeah, he's he's properly not an OJ club, for us, obviously. Yeah, a hundred percent. I, I want to kind of just, be, before we get to, uh, I mean, we can talk about the fact that we did score like two in 72 seconds, like Udogi, Johnson scored. We can come back to Johnson, uh, Brendan Johnson, because I, th- I think it's worth having a, a little conversation about him. You know, mm. then Richarlison, definitely going to come back to him in a moment, uh, made it three. And, it, and, you know, that, that that I mean, obviously it birthed the, the, the chant about Ivan Tony, cash, you should have cashed out with him. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely Mate, hilarious that is easily Obvious, the chant but... of the season that is superb it's so good there, there was there was some there was something i saw on twitter um where uh tom was talking about how they miss white heart lane because it was such a smaller stadium um by large margin and uh when you had those kind of viral moments in game where someone would start singing something a completely original it would spread across the stadium in seconds. It's, and much it's a lot easier, harder. It? Yeah, it's so much harder to do that now, unless it's something that really re- does resonate. And this obviously resonates for quite obvious obvious reasons because of who Ivan Tony is and what he's done and the, the, the hype that he's kind of built around his comeback and everything else. It, 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 it was it was a moment of true terrace comedy that um, everybody appreciated, um, and it and it, it was a fantastic slap. Spurs dished out wallops um, and killed the team off. 
uh, almost killed them off. And we come back mm. to three two. So, um, in amongst it all, obviously Johnson getting on the end of uh, Timo's cross, like you described. I, I I quite enjoyed his performance in the second half. Yeah, and also I also absolutely can't stop watching his mocking of the, the, the <laughs> of Brentford's dot celebration. Uh. It's so. Uh, petulant and spiteful that I just want to tap my veins and, and inject it because it, it a lot of people see Brennan Johnson that they have this um I want to I say think they think mis- he's a nice boy exactly it's, I want to say it's a misconception he's probably he's a nice lad of course he's a, a nice lad you 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 hear him talk you know um you, you know you know that he knows that he hasn't been playing to the level that's expected price tag or 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 or, or not he yeah. knows that he's been inconsistent it's a massive big move for him um but the self-awareness is a good thing because he's he's owning it in the moment and he's and he's still putting the shirt on and he's and he's still he's still basically looking to perform at the level that he should be he's working towards something um but he just showed a bit of spitefulness. I know it was just in a, in, a, in a celebration, not in the game itself. But it just added a bit of flavour to him that I, I think might have been missing before. That he, I think, I think it's easy to forget. He's the one who absolutely, he's the one who lifted fucking Richarlison up into the air when we played them at not in Forest. <laughs> That's when, a really good point. Like Richie was doing the keepy uppies like, <laughs> yeah. on the pitch, and obviously we were loving Richie at the time for doing it. But then he got absolutely sent for it, and it was Johnson who fucking done it. So you just think like, you know, he's not. He is obviously, like you say, he's clearly a nice guy like, and a good lad and all the rest of it, but he's still got that, that spiteful element to him. We need um, to tap into that. Yeah, I think I think if he was to sort of like unleash that side of him a little bit more, I think it could. I honestly think it could turn him into such a good player just because I think it would make him ruthless when it matters. Um, Damn, but he was, mate. But yeah, it's... Listen, me and you can have this conversation because we're just two normal people, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I'm barely normal most of the time. But my point <laughs> being is, you know, you don't need to have finality with every opinion. And I mentioned this to 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 again to chatting to T at the game yesterday. And he said, but if we didn't have finality, if we didn't have hot takes, there'd be no conversations. And football is just basically built on hot takes and built on yeah. knee jerks and just uh, you know reactionary. Uh, opinions and the rest of it and i get that i'm not criticizing that obviously there's certain opinions that i do criticize a lot of because i think it's you can we all kind of we all kind of have moments where we're we're dancing with hypocrisy and and i understand it but with brennan johnson to just say he's a flop he's a waste of money why did we spend money on 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 a like an unfinished product Blah 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 blah. It's like, mate, have you never watched football before? Like, just allow the manager to coach him. It's not like we've signed someone and we don't know what to do with the player, which is something we used to do all of the time. Just allow. Spurs are changing. Spurs are are evolving very very quickly, quicker than we thought they would. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that we can't have moments where we just have to admit that ain't working. That needs more work, and on and for Brennan Johnson, I think at the minute it's definitely needs more work rather than a straight Brian Hill. He's never going to work that 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 type of uh, conversation. So let let the kid grow. 
and, and, and mature. He's got the right man. He's, he's surrounded by the right type of people at, at Tottenham. Now, the other guy who's had a transformation, and um, I actually want to read something that, that Adam Nathan uh, tweeted. Um, right. at, what, at what point is Richarlison good enough? Appreciate for some, that time may never come, but in the last month, he's combined amazing work rate with a load of goals without really missing many clear-cut chances. Fascinated to see if he can keep this up. So that's on Adam's timeline. And we've spoken about it before. You, you, uh, I've kind of like playfully said, we need like a new number nine. And it's like, well, you, we've got the pigeon. What, what's the matter with you? But the minute we do have the pigeon. He's delivering, if anything, like, he de- I mean, man of the match is debatable as as always, depending on what you, you value as um, be more important in terms of the game's narrative. But he's everywhere. He's And he's not Lamella everywhere. He's, he works his bollocks off, but he's also getting into the right positions, and he's looking confident. He's not, he's not the player pre-surgery, pre-personal problems. You're you're, you're a fanboy, so you're going to agree to this, right? Yeah. Well, I, I just don't. I don't think that you can sort of. Um, I think it was an interesting conversation that was on a couple of. Like, I've had with a couple of people and it's a bit like it's really hard to sort of replace him at the moment or upgrade on him yeah. for Tottenham because unless you're Chelsea and you're going to spend 100 million on someone who's had a good four months yeah. which we would never do as a club like it, it, it's, you are talking about going to like the you'd find it's, 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 you're finding a striker that's in Europe at the moment who is gettable for the sort of money that Spurs are going to want to sort of like pay yeah. like that's really hard to do, and I think that you, it's almost Agreed. like if he carries at the moment the way he's playing, it's like well, we just don't have to worry about it because he's playing really well. And it's not just the goals; it's not that he's just scoring goals and just scoring tappings. Like I think there's product. I think there's like everything he does is effective. Like the amount of times he runs back and like you know tries to like win the ball back quickly if it's if he's like sort of if say he's like pressed and they've beaten his press right he'll turn around and chase him back and he'll slide in and he'll nick the ball off them and then set up another counter-attack for us like as I said earlier I thought against um against Brentford in the first half I thought he was the only one who was looking like he might sort of like do something and there was mm. one shot that he had which literally just just about sailed like past the top right-hand corner and it's stanchion and sort of like rattled across yeah, I think some yeah, of the yeah, crowd thought effort. it had gone in yeah like we haven't seen him taking on those type of efforts, I don't think, often at Spurs. And he t- he had a couple of shots from just outside the box last night. Like he got it out of his feet, and he wanted to. He he was going for goal, and he he was he weren't far off on a couple of occasions. And you think that's the sign of a of a striker in like you know confident form. Like he's not hesitant. He's not trying to do a soldado and look to set someone up, and yeah. you know and stuff like that. He, he he wants goals. He's hungry for goals, and I think that. Um, at the moment, like he's just got to keep this going, and um, I mean seven in seven, it just speaks for itself. He's got eight in nineteen, which even that's not a bad return, you know. So I, I'm, I'm double chuffed with him. I just hope he, um, hope he carries it on because I'd love it for him to again still be the main striker next season if he continues to you know, continues in this vein of form and it could even potentially get better. Who knows? Mm. Um. I mean, I, I, look, I love the guy, and yeah, you can you can have a serious football discussion and chat about how you know we should be aiming higher. But the reality is, you, you look across the squad, um, 
and are we not aiming high right now? I mean, there's a there's a discussion always to be had around, you know, should we not be signing players who are price tagged at eighty million that are eighty million pound footballers? And it's like, well, what is an eighty million pound footballer nowadays? Considering what Chelsea have done to the transfer market, considering the money that you need to pay for youngsters, you know, um, at the end of the day, you. you you got the players that you've you, you got in the squad. You got a new manager who's looking to understand the players. He might come to a decision at some point. It might be that there there are other targets. You know, there are other players in the Premier League that are definitely should definitely be on our watch list, right? You know, you you look at Aston Villa got a, de- a couple of decent players. Crystal Palace have got a couple, a couple of decent players. Um, but Richie's doing it and. Maybe he's never found that that kind of platform before, the, like like the ones he had at Everton, where he had to do a lot of the the carrying on his shoulders. And, and Watford, completely different football football clubs, right? P- pressure and stress is completely different. The players you're surrounded with are completely different. So, I hope I hope he can work his way towards not twenty goals this season. I think that's a bit too much, but definitely if he's a twenty goal a season footballer then he's got a part to play, especially if we're in Europe next season. I'd like um, to see him beat what his, what his highest is. I think his highest is 13 or 14. I think if he can beat that, then that would be like, you know, a personal best for him in the Premier League. And I think that would shut a lot of people up. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And he, he, he looks capable of doing that. You'd put, you'd, you know, you'd put money on that. Tony might have a bet on, 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 on Richie. Um, <laughs> I know Antonio won't put any fucking money on it. He's probably like too busy hiding at the minute or, trying to work out what his next podcast content's going to be about. Um, <laughs> just still on players, because I've made some notes here. Um, we, we kind of touched the point, well, we did touch upon Destiny and Bentoncourt and Madison. Mm-hmm. What is going on with Kulisevsky? Because like, and maybe mm. it's the last few games. Maybe it's not because he has been good this season. In fact, statistically, um, he's still up there, you know. If you want to nerd out, he's his output, whether you see it with your eyes or not, is still very, very good. But my my issue, there was a move yesterday, and apologies, you might remember Dan because you're a lot a lot younger and you probably haven't damaged your brain in the same ways I have over the years. But there was a move, this beautiful move, and it was a layoff, and it fell to Kulisevsky. And he didn't hit it first time, and he took a touch, and the, the moment was gone. Yeah. And he he seemed to do that a lot, and yet he's the player, in, especially in his first season at Spurs, he'd cut in and he'd just curl, curl a shot and try and hit that like top corner. Um, what, what what do you think it is? Do you think it's like a general Spurs trying to walk the ball into the back of the net, or do you think he's lost the particular edge in in the pen area in in terms of? taking that opportunity and uh and scoring he's probably caught in that sort of like space where he's really sorry if you can hear this tippy tapping by the way he's that your dog like, tap dancing literally like he's um he's just eating so he's doing that thing where he tries to rub his face into his bed to wipe his face but allow allow it man he's excited he's, I, I know, he's, he's all right like he's, he's one of those i've just got to apologize to the listeners for the uh the uh <laughs> What's that? What can I? What can I? There was only thing. It's a tap, a typewriter in the background, which is literally what it's like. <laughs> but um, on hard flooring. But um, but I think with with Kulusevski, I do think it is just a. I do think it's just a case where he's probably caught in a space where he's 
he's trying not to overthink things, but he is yeah. overthinking things, you know? Yeah. Like, I think there was a ball that he, that he put through to someone yesterday. I think it was the first the first goal that we scored. Um, he took a brilliant touch and set someone away, and I think it might have been Werner for Johnson's goal, actually. And like when he does stuff like that, it's brilliant. It's just always that argument of, like, instinct over thinking it through, you know? Yeah. And... We've seen him against Sheffield United score for just out. I think it was either just outside the box or on the edge of the box or whatever. He scored with his right foot, didn't he? Like it's, obviously, it's his weaker foot, but he absolutely smashed that into the top left-hand corner when we beat them at two-one, like last minute. Mm-hmm. And you think, how can he do that? But then gets into the box with a favourable angle for a right-footed shot to go across the keeper and doesn't take it on, and. He'd done that a couple of times yesterday. I can't remember a specific moment or goal because I just remember just seeing him do it a few times, the same as you, right? But I don't know what it is. He'll still score goals this season. I just don't... He he just doesn't at all give me an impression that he's ever going to score 10 goals a season. He's you know, mad, like... though, because he's got that in him. And, and you look at the Spurs midfield and there's, there's a lot of players. I know they're going to get in the way of each other, right, in terms of players that will play the assist to the assist rather than maybe play the assist or, or go on to score themselves. We've got a lot of potential goal scorers. Madison can, could, could get a few, you know. Um, most of the midfield, not all, all of them, have got a goal in them. But mm. Kulisewski is the one that I would say is the more likely to get to 10. But Obviously, no, he doesn't look like that type of player at the moment, and it's just—it's like you uh, think he was. It's like you think he would, but then when you see him in the situation, he just doesn't at all look like he's going to score, does he? Yeah, it's—it's fun to keep an eye on. I mean, we're when Spurs are firing on all cylinders, when when we are at full power, whenever that will be, if ever, I'm sure it will be soon. uh, We might get an idea, you know, of whether certain players will just evolve a little bit more. Obviously, Kulisevsky has been asked to play in a couple of different positions. Um, he's not letting us down in the grand scheme of things. Um, he, he doesn't shy away from it. So that, that's that's the most important part, especially to Postacoglu. Um, thought, but just quick, just lastly yeah, on yeah, him, yeah. it's really hard as well to figure out whether he's better through the middle or wide at the moment as well, because I thought he looked poor wide yesterday and then it actually looked better but he was I think both our wide players him and Werner looked poor in the first half right yeah and then they both but then he comes into the middle and Werner ends up getting space and they both look like they have much better games but you can't tell but just because that there's thought that that happened last night it doesn't mean that that's where they should play more like that's what should happen every game more often do you get what I'm saying especially in the case of Kulisevsky like I think that his best position is wide right but I think it just depends if he's going to play well or not. If he plays well, I think he can be he can beat people when he can score yeah. goals and make assists. But if he does, if if he's not quite on it, I think he just has so many of those games where he gets the ball, takes a touch, stands someone up, tries to beat them, doesn't happen. But luckily, he's strong, so manages to keep it, and then sort of just gives it away again to someone else, like to one of our players backwards or something. You know, it's mm. just, he can have one of those really unproductive, sort of frustrating to watch games at times. Yeah, no, I agree, and it, and it's 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 definitely one of those where you're thinking you can do so much more here, because you can beat the players, you're strong enough and fast enough, you know, in 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 those pockets of spaces to to do a lot more damage. But just a minor, minor little, it's not even a complaint, but just a, a minor um, glitch in in Tottenham's matrix. Let, let's bring it back to Brentford 
their shit housing, the tactical fouls and time wasting, which is fine. It's fair enough if that's how you want to disrupt a good team because it's almost like a a compliment to Tottenham that you you got to play that way to try and get something out of it, or it's not really a compliment because you don't respect Spurs enough to have a backbone to be able to compete against something like that, which is a bit weird if you do believe that because I think Spurs are definitely not a team that um, don't know how to fight um, in football terms. Um, so you've got Brentford playing the game that they're playing and then you've got the more obvious shit housing with the celebrations, the dart celebrations and the rest of it. But you've also got the officiating. Now, I, you were watching it on TV and... Um, I was fucking fuming with the referee so this is, last night. There's, there's, two, there's two things, right? One is Nathan Collins diving. I, I thought he dived. I don't know if Richarlison caught him. I've seen the replay a couple of times and it looks so soft. This is when Richie scored and it was disallowed. And I don't know if it was pulled back for something else or whether it was it was for Richie checking Collins and Collins falling to the ground like he's in fucking so a that's, no, so platoon. That, so that's what he gave it for. He thought he said Richarlison had fouled him, but for me, right. it was so. So basically, what's happened is it's like their knees have touched. But when I say touched, it is like the, the, faintest. the lightest of touch. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the faintest. And I think anywhere else on the pitch, the, ref, the referee waves play on, but because it's in the box and, it, and it's about to like re- result in a goal, he. And I think he goes early, the referee, as well, with his whistle. But that should have been allowed to continue until Richie finished that off. And then you can go to VAR if you want to go to VAR. But for me, I just thought that should have been a goal. Apparently, I don't know if this is right, because this is one of these WhatsApp messages that gets shared. I don't... So again, if, if, if anyone's listening to this and they know that this is not the law, then let me know. Um, because I'm, I'm, I am actually curious about this, even though it bores me to death talking about VAR. But apparently, if the ref had blown the whistle before the ball had crossed the line, uh, VAR doesn't have to check it. If it was after, they have to. No, exactly. Because if he no, that, that is yeah. it. Is that, that, is that, that is absolutely that it? Yeah, right. Fine. That's always okay. so. Okay. Basically, you, if, if, I know it's if an anything, obvious thing to say, but, but no. But it, I think the easy way to remember it is if anything, if the play is if a whistle goes or play is stopped before the, an outcome is reached, whether that's a goal or it's gone out of play, like VAR can't intervene. Essentially, yeah. Like they, it, it has to. It has to basically. You have to let events sort of like unfold play out. before. Yeah, v, exactly. yeah exactly. Before VAR yeah. can intervene. I've got thoughts on VAR, but because at the moment I think it's just not fit for purpose, and the referees are just allowed to get away with murder at the moment. But yeah, that and last night was just like it's the biggest waste of investment of a of a, of a piece of kit that you've ever had VAR based <laughs> on what I was watching last night. Um, Norgard, I think I've pronounced his name correctly. I don't really care oh, he was, because this guy yeah, he, he, he was a cunt. Yeah, like. Seven or eight fouls. I think one was a professional foul. Um, pulling, pulling these numbers out of my memory. Annoys, it annoys me so much that phrase. Like I'm not blaming you. That professional foul phrase. I know exactly what you mean when you're saying it, and I know what incident it is. But what, what the fuck does that? It's a foul. So just exactly. say it's a foul. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But if the, anything, the, it's worse because it's like an intentional foul. Exactly. Like that's, but this that's is, worse. This is it. And you and you know if I know and you know. 
the referee whose job it is to officiate the game would know the difference between a clumsy mistake or dangerous play or something that's done completely on purpose. Cynical. cynical. That's the word. It's yeah. just cynical. Cynical intentions to, to, to stop playing and, and, and just um, get the result for the, the opposing team. Um, or for the team that the, the, the guy's fouling on. I'm, I've butchered that sentence, so I'm going to just leave it alone. The, my point is... Seven fouls at what and one yellow card at like what point are you like as a referee saying, mate, you're consistently fouling one or two are debatable as, and, dissent. Of, and dissent. so much dissent as well, mate. Where's, it was the, where's the extra he was yellow? He's in the rest face constantly as well. I, I don't, I don't get it because the thing is to, and, and I know this is like the cartoon part of the podcast where it's like, oh, you're feeling sorry for yourself, scared of little Brentford, want to play a cent off, and oh, conspiracy against Tottenham. Well, it's not really a conspiracy, but if if you're seeing decisions go against your team, um, and you're seeing something that I know has been spoken about a lot because it's, it usually follows a lot of Tottenham games. It feels like certain. It feels like in every game, there's someone you can pluck out and say, "How is this guy getting away with it throughout the entire ninety minutes? Like, why are they getting like a, a kind of free pass to to play in this way? Or am I? Or are we as a fan base being completely biased, obviously, towards our own team and and, and against everybody else? It's that lack of consistency. You can you can talk about it with VAR and officiating. You know, you can look at the Romero red cards and look at the other red cards that weren't given for very similar fouls, um, uh, studs showing in other games. It, it, it's a it's a mess. Um, but do, you know, do you do you? Uh, to, in, in fact, I'm going to follow that up with the with Prof Spur on on Twitter. Um, uh, quite a pragmatic, logical guy posts a lot of sense so if you like sensible opinions then, then give him a follow he said i think it's a good sign that spurs bring out the shithouses and dickheads in our opponents they want and need to stop the flow of the game because Ange has made us relentless and terrifying our next step is to learn how to keep our heads and overcome such tactics and that kind of falls into what we were we were saying that you know, Brentford had to play like this because they know it's it's disruptive. So credit to them. I mean, you know, we're not gooners. We're not we're not prime Arsene Wenger moaning about Stoke away and, and the rest of mm. it. You know, you 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 got to know how as a as a football team how to deal with these teams. Do you think we struggle though in these moments? Do you think it, we made it easy for them to shit house because of the way we started the game? I know we started all right and then we kind of fell apart. Was that because of Brentford, do you think? Do you think we're overplaying the shit housing? Does shit housing happen in every fucking game? You know? Not to that level. It was so it, cause, because it came across so obviously on telly, mate. Like it was just it it weren't like you know like sometimes you feel like you it feels different when you when you're there at the game you notice it more like it 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 looked it came across like really badly from Brentford's part part, part like their point of view yeah like if I was a if I was a Brentford fan watching that I'd be thinking cool we're proper having a go at me like it was obvious you know yeah it weren't like subtle in the, in any in any shape or form um I don't my mind's in kind of two two spaces one is that this won't happen very often I don't think you see this every single game right mm. um. And I think that if anyone would have watched that last night and was going to learn anything from it, it's, well, don't be too fucking, like, 
don't be bold as brass about it, like Neil Moldpay wanted to be, because you just get your comeuppance for it and you look get made to look an absolute twat. Um, and then the other part of me is just thinking, well, if they are if they are going to try and be ridiculously, you know, if they're going to try and use ridiculously high levels of of shithousery like they did last night, I think we, I don't think we did enough. Hmm. I, I, th- I think we tried to go about. I think we tried to respond in the wrong way in the first half, where we tried to get like you know physical and we tried to sort of start kicking them a bit and barging into them. I think that's just what they want because the way the ref's seeing it, he's just he's not going to care that you're retaliating. He's just going to see you kicking someone and then giving fouls and then you'll get bookings and stuff like that. You lose your but, discipline as well. You you use your your flow. You, you you're thinking more about the opponent at that point and not thinking about what you should be doing to hurt the opponent. So oh, I mean there was another bit. You, what was that Collins you said? There was another bit with him and Richardson that we're we're lining up with a well, fairly high line for a free kick. It was a deep free mm. kick, but we were playing a quite a high line uh, to catch them offside and they were sort of just standing up in the line ready for the free kick to get swung in and Richie's like He's basically moved his arm back to push him, like all players do, and he's gone down like a sack of shit. Like he's an abs- he was an absolute embarrassment last night. Like you're a six foot odd tall centre back, and you're getting tapped in the stomach and going over like you've been like disemboweled. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Like, I just don't understand what how how he couldn't have been extremely embarrassed like from doing what he was doing. Um, but like that was, I do think they were they were a bit of a shambles, Brentford yesterday. I don't, I thought they've always been. I've always think, thought of them to be honest as a team that they've got a good manager who sets them up in a, in a in a for the opposition, right? He sets them up based on the opposition, and I thought they did that well last night. But then to, I think they sort of spoil it for themselves with all that other shit because they, because they because they didn't need to, to do the shit where They scored their goal without it, and I think that it spurred us on to then retaliate. So I didn't really understand why they did it. They let themselves down, to be honest. Um, yeah, they they did massively, but you know what? Fuck them. We won. We got yeah, the three massively. Points. Fuck them. Um, what we're going to do is we'll end the pod here and continue in Patreon. We'll have a little a little chat about Everton expectations for Saturday. The light show. Got to talk about that. Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> Jan window deadline day, which is dead to be to be fair. But there's a, there's a couple little topics that we can pluck out. Um, and and I didn't do a pod post City game. I blogged about it. Um, logistically I wasn't around my mic and my laptop so it was really difficult to, to record and it was my birthday on that on that day as well unfortunately um it was a good birthday but the the result was a little bit disappointing <laughs> uh, so we just we just dance around that a little bit we've all moved on from it I know but there's a couple of things to pluck out of that as well the Postacoglu has chatted about so uh thanks for downloading if you want to listen to the full podcast uh then go to spooky in purgatory that's on patreon.com forward slash spooking in purgatory um and we will catch you on the next one post everton up the spurs